Well, it is Gales hate week for Gonzaga as they take on St. Mary's on Saturday. What makes this rivalry so special and why it means more than ever this year right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right, we are talking Zags Gales today. We got a plenty more time later in the week where we're going to discuss the Santa Clara game on Thursday. We're going to review the Santa Clara game on Friday. We're going to give some more previews into what to expect for the Zags Gales game on Saturday. But for today, I kind of just want to focus on this rivalry in general. Here we are in February. The Zags and the Gales haven't met yet this season, and this is going to be one of the most exciting regular season games between these two schools in a long time. And Lately, it feels like more and more that these two games, that the two games these two teams play every single year in the regular season, and most often the third game they play in the WCC championship, it continues to mean more. It continues to mean more because these two programs have continued to excel and be the top tier programs on the West Coast. You, know, you have UCLA's in that conversation. Tommy Lloyd has absolutely brought Arizona back into that conversation. But outside of that, those are the four best teams on the West Coast, and it's not particularly close with levels of respect for Oregon and what they've done and Arizona state and what they've done and USC who has, has been a solid program. And of course, you know, some of the other programs who have stepped up in the WCC and, and some solid mountain West programs like San Diego state, the four best teams in the West coast of the United States for basketball are UCLA, Arizona, Gonzaga, and St. Mary's and Gonzaga and St. Mary's. They're not last. They're not last on that list. They are two fantastic programs. What Randy Bennett has done to build the Gales, love him or hate him. And I know, I know most of you listening to this are on the second end of that spectrum as you want people to be in a rivalry game. And I, I think it's just really fun to get an opportunity to kind of look at what this rivalry has meant. I, I had an opportunity to speak to Zach Farmer, the host of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. Uh, if you guys have not checked that out, you can follow him on Twitter. You can find the show wherever you get shows. Uh, it's a fantastic kind of look around the conference in general. And, and him and I had an opportunity to kind of just talk about this rivalry. And I kind of wanted to take a chance here to, to really break it down on, on a more granular level and kind of look at, what this game has really looked like uh, historically. And I was surprised, quite honestly, I was shocked to find out that the first time these two teams played each other was in 1955, 1955. That is an extremely, extremely long time ago for these two teams to have met. They didn't play again. Uh, for, for the record, Zags won. Uh, always important to get that out there whenever we can. The Zags won the first matchup between these two schools, 94 to 77 uh, St. Mary's. Uh, they The two teams did not play again until 1971 and then they started playing each other regularly in 1980 as they were both a member of the same conference that has persisted from 1980 until now where they have routinely played basically played each other twice or three times every single year since then uh, the overall season series as you might or overall history series history between these two schools as you might expect it pretty heavily favors Gonzaga for this being 
one of, if not the premier West Coast basketball, college basketball rivalry. It doesn't necessarily look like that uh, when looking at the win-loss percentage. Uh, For the Zags, they have 78 wins compared to 32 for the Gales. That means that Gonzaga has won just a hair over 70% of the matchups between these two programs. The longest winning streak for Gonzaga is 17 games. That persisted from 1999 to 2005, a entirely unsurprising streak uh, stretch of time for Gonzaga to be the dominator uh, in that matchup as Gonzaga was at that time just starting to really become the program that they have become in 1999 of course the first year the Zags went on that run into the elite eight with Casey Calvary and Richie Fromm and Matt Santangelo Mark Few of course taking over the next year and elevating that program to levels really unexpected at any capacity with Blake Stepp and Dan Dickow and of course uh, Ronnie Turioff and then Adam Morrison coming in after that Randy Bennett did not take over the program until 2002 and when he did take over the program they were awful I mean, awful, 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 awful team. They had only won two games the year previously. So it's not surprising that from 1999 to 2005, the Zags, who were on a very significant upward trajectory, were hammering the Gales, who were in the midst of the worst stretch of their uh, college basketball kind of history until Randy Bennett took over the program and and elevated them quite quickly out of that uh, kind of messy streak. Uh, The longest win streak for the Gales is six it also is not a surprising period of time, uh, 1987 to 1990, uh, one of the worst stretches really uh, in Gonzaga basketball history. They were good when Stockton was there in the mid, early early to mid 80s, uh, and then they were, were pretty bad for a while after that until the mid 90s. They started to get a little bit better, uh, and then, of course, late 90s is when things really kind of took off to, to help elevate the program to be the program that they are today. Uh, While St. Mary's does not have the edge in total wins, they certainly have the wins in the edge in upset wins, I should say. Uh, Again, not a surprising stat for them, considering the position they have been in more often when facing Gonzaga. Uh, They have beat Gonzaga twice when they were the number one ranked team in the country. Uh, As you would expect, both those uh, victories came very recently. Uh, They were unranked when they beat Gonzaga in the 2019 WCC Championship I remember that game real distinctly, as I imagine many of you do. I was at that contest. Uh, St. Mary's just absolutely slowed that game down to a crawl. Gonzaga could not hit the broadside of a barn. They ended up going into the NCAA tournament with a pretty significant lack of momentum. Still had a nice run, but ultimately you know, didn't reach the goal of a Final Four in that season. The other time Gonzaga has lost as a number one seed to or number one uh, ranked team to St. Mary's was in 2022. (laughs) Very, very recently uh, when the Gales at that time ranked number 23 were able to take down Gonzaga in Moraga. So again, we're seeing we've seen a St. Mary's team that maybe they haven't won the majority of the games. They haven't even won two thirds or they haven't even won a third of the games between these two schools, but uh, have played spoiler significantly. And one thing I wanted to look at, knowing that Randy Bennett really had a significant elevation to Gonzaga or to St. Mary's program, I should say, uh, was what is Gonzaga's record since Bennett took over thinking, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we'll see that the Gales have kind of made a resurgence. No, not, not in that case. But as you might know, Randy Bennett again took over in 2002. Turns out Gonzaga has been pretty darn good since 2002. So it doesn't really give you a, a perfect kind of uh, picture of, of St. Mary's 
run of success in that time period because Gonzaga's was was quite frankly better. And uh, they have these two teams have played each other 60 times. This will be the 61st matchup on Saturday between these two programs. Uh, the Zags have won 48 of them. 48 out of 60 is 80 uh, percent of the games that these two teams have played. So for St. Mary's fans, uh, yeah, only been able to, to secure a victory in 20 percent of the games these two teams have played. But you know, two of them were taking down the number one team in the country. So I guess, you know, you can hold your hat on that. Um, wanted to kind of touch on some of the biggest rivalry figures. I'm curious uh, for those listening, if there are players, uh, you can mention coaches as well, who I am not mentioning, who are, are particularly disliked uh, amongst the fan bases. Uh, the first two that really came to mind for me, and again, I spoke with uh, Zach Farmer on that unofficial pod, unofficial WCC Hoops podcast uh, about some of these figures. But uh, Adam Morrison is who he mentioned as like one of the biggest uh, for St. Mary's fans. That makes sense as that was kind of the stretch of time when Gonzaga was absolutely dominating St. Mary's. It was before Randy had really elevated that program. Again, he took over in 2002. By 2005, that team had gone 24-9 and nine and had made the NCAA tournament. So that is how quickly Randy Bennett turned things around. But that was a stretch of time where St. Mary's was starting to get good and Gonzaga was still beating them because Adam Morrison was killing them. So it makes sense that that would be a figure that they would not particularly like uh, in uh, Gonzaga's history. I mentioned Omar Samhan, and I stand by the fact that I think Omar Samhan is the most hated St. Mary's player uh, for Gonzaga fans. You can disagree. That's totally understandable. I would love to hear who you think that it is. Uh, for me, Omar Samhan, he was loud. He was abrasive. He yelled at the student section. He yelled at Mark Few. He was really, really talented. And look, he loves it. That's my favorite thing about Omar Samhan, man. He loves it. Uh, it was a recent story when they were playing in, uh, I think it was the basketball tournament, and he was he flew into Spokane. He was flying into Spokane. He got recognized at the airport, and people booed him. This was a decade or so after his college career ended, and he was getting booed in the Spokane airport, and he loved it, and I think that's awesome. I think that's absolutely awesome. Keep booing him if you see him because he eats it up. Uh, Matthew Delavidova is the other name that came to mind for me, of course, a intensely villainous guy in, in his, his appearance, the mouth guard, the scraggle hair, the scrappy style of play, the fact that he was also extremely talented. There's not a lot of guys who were playing college basketball over 10 years ago who are still playing professional basketball today. And he's playing at the highest level. He's playing in the NBA right now still for Matthew Delvadova. So it's been a very nice career for him. Uh, and on that same vein, talking about historical villains in this rivalry from about a decade ago, Kelly Olenek absolutely comes up as, as a player for St. Mary's fans, uh, as he probably should uh, for his kind of villainous nature and throwing down monster dunks all over St. Mary's in the WCC championship game in Las Vegas. A couple more guys I wanted to mention here, Jock Landale and Drew Timmy, who have been more recent villains in the St. Mary's and Gonzaga rivalry. Again, lots more coming up on the Gonzaga-St. Mary's game, the specific game on Saturday. We'll talk about that more in later episodes this week. Uh, for now, though, I want to switch gears and talk about Andrew Nembhard, who was just named to the Rising Stars event in the NBA. Further proof that Gonzaga is as good as anybody in the country at developing NBA talent. More after that. Uh, more coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Well, the NFL playoffs are here, and we are so excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That is FanDuel. FanDuel, well, if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. 
They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Make sure you like maybe you like Gonzaga's odds to beat the spread at home against Santa Clara on Saturday, or excuse me, on Thursday, or maybe you like them to take it to St. Mary's on Saturday. Heck yeah, you do. Either way, you can bet comfortably on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So basketball fans don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free vet bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, segment two, Stability Patton still locked on, pivoting away from talking about Zags, Gales, and the history of the rivalry between those two programs to instead talk about Andrew Nempard, because Andrew Nempard has been one of the best stories in the entire NBA this year, and he was recently named to the Rising Stars event, uh, the Rising Stars event previously called the Rookie Sophomore Challenge, previously called many other things. This event has gone through significant amount of iterations in the last few years as the NBA has kind of tried to figure out how to market some of their younger stars. Uh, I respect that they are continuing to try to kind of change and alter this event because they want to find out the best way to celebrate those young players for this event. They have rookies, they have sophomores, they have G League players, all who are going to kind of be in a pool of players that you can select to put on your rosters to participate in said event. Uh, Nemhard was one of 11 rookies who was named to the event. As you would probably guess, he's the only non-first rounder. 10 other rookies all selected this event. Every single one of them was picked in the first round of the 2022 NBA draft. Andrew Nemhart, of course, the first player selected in the second round of the 2022 NBA draft by the Indiana Pacers. Nemhart's having a fantastic season. He got a lot of attention a few months ago for his really exceptional week where he dropped 31 points on LeBron James, or excuse me, dropped a game-winning three on LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers followed that up by having a 31-point, 13-assist, eight-rebound game against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, but by and large, he's, he's been fantastic all season long for Indiana. He's averaging eight and a half points, four assists, three rebounds per game. He has started 34 out of 45 games for the Pacers, a fantastic stretch of games for him. Really, he's just proven that he deserves, not only does he deserve to be here, he's a high quality player. I remember when we kind of talked about what his NBA potential looked like, it was like, oh, he's he's got a good chance of carving out a significant role as like a, a bench player, backup point guard in the NBA. He's been more than that already. We are halfway through his rookie year. He has played better than the expectation for kind of what he might be really throughout his NBA career. He's already surpassed that as a true rookie in the NBA. And that's kind of what I want to talk about here. The Zags do this. This is not uncommon for Gonzaga to turn out not just NBA talent, not just guys who who came to Gonzaga expecting to be NBA players and left Gonzaga as NBA players. A lot of programs can do that. And I'm not discrediting the ability to get players who are expected to be NBA players in your program. That's really hard to do. And for a long time, Gonzaga wasn't recruiting players like that, but they were still putting players in the NBA. And now, even now, while yes, they are starting to get more five-star talents, they are starting to get players via the transfer portal or via the international market, or again, domestically, who are expected to be NBA talent. But they have still continued to churn out NBA talent, even from ranks outside of that. 
Gonzaga has had a participant in eight of the last 10 Rising Star Challenges. Eight of the last 10 have featured at least one member of Gonzaga. I got the stat from the incomparable Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review. It's funny, I was about to start researching this and I saw his tweet pop up with this information. So shout out Theo for saving me a little bit of time on my research. Uh, This dates all the way back to 2014. In 2014 and 2015, Kelly Olenek, of course, a first round pick by the Boston Celtics. Fantastic. Still currently playing in the NBA, a guy, a 10-year vet uh, at the next level. He participated in both 2014 and 2015. Zags did not have anybody in 2016, but then in both 2017 and 2018, the event featured DeMontis Sabonis. Speaking of DeMontis Sabonis, he is almost certainly going to make his third NBA All-Star game this year. Again, further proof the Zags are, they're turning out all-stars. They're turning out all-stars. They're turning out young studs. They're turning out just about every type of player that you want to see in the next level at the NBA. They're turning those guys out. So again, 2017, 2018, DeMontis Sabonis participated. 2019 was another gap year. 2020 and 2021 featured two Zags participating in those events. That was Brandon Clark and Rui Hachimura. Rui, of course, a ninth overall pick in that 2019 draft. Clark slipped somehow to the 21st overall pick and has continued to outplay a late first round kind of draft evaluation for him. 2022, we saw Jalen Suggs as a participant in the rookie sophomore game or whatever they called it at that. I think it was still, I think it was a rising stars challenge then. I don't think they, I think it was a few years ago that they made that change. And then now of course, Andrew Nemhard participating in 2023. Uh, We'll see what happens next year. Andrew Nemhard could obviously be a participant uh, in this event next year. And while I would be fairly surprised if anybody coming out of Gonzaga is participating in this event next year, guess what? Chet Holmgren's probably going to be participating in this event next year uh, as he will be a rookie in the, uh, eyes of the NBA after not participating in his actual rookie year because of a foot injury. So the odds of Gonzaga having somebody in the 2024 event are pretty high because it'll either be Chet or Andrew Nembhardt or both. There's always, of course, a possibility that Julian Strother or somebody else uh, comes out of Gonzaga and ends up participating in this event next year as well. This is proof, proof, definitive proof, like I said, that Gonzaga is as good at developing this level of talent because look at this list. Look at this list of guys. Here's what happens if you transfer to Gonzaga because Brandon Clark and Andrew Nempart both transferred to Gonzaga, had monster careers at Gonzaga, and are now players who have participated in an NBA Rising Stars event. I'm not, I don't think either of these guys are going to be actual NBA All-Stars in their career, but they are legitimate, high-level, going to have 10-plus year NBA careers. Uh, and they tr- started their Nempart started at Florida, a high-level program, but had not looked like an NBA player in his first couple of years at Florida, came to Gonzaga, fixed some of the issues, bam. Now he is a high-level NBA player. Brandon Clark came out of San Jose State. Yeah, he put up monster numbers at San Jose State, but he was at a low-level Mountain West program. Sits out a year at Gonzaga, bam. Has one of the most efficient college basketball seasons we've ever seen. Falls in the draft, still turns it around, and has himself a legitimate NBA career. International player? Yeah, come to Gonzaga. Rui Hachimura, complete unknown when he got to Spokane, didn't speak English, didn't know the place, didn't know the offense. Three years later, he's an All-American. He's a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. He's a two-time participant 
in the rookie or the rising stars event. Now he's starting alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron James for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Demontis Sabonis. Yeah, he had pedigree, of course, as the son uh, of a basketball Hall of Famer in Arvidas Sabonis, but still was a bit of a risk for Gonzaga to take him on two years in Spokane. Bam. He's a first round pick. He's a lottery pick. He's getting traded for all stars like Paul George. He's churning out a multiple year NBA all-star career. Kelly Olynyk does count as an international player. He was also kind of counts in the non five-star prospect, a guy who obviously did a semi transfer. He kind of transferred to Gonzaga from Gonzaga in a way by sitting out a year during his career, developed monstrously with coach Travis Knight and worked on his game, his balance, his, his ability to be shifty and kind of learn how to play uh, within himself, play with his new size and everything. And, also became a first-round pick, became a lottery pick, spent 10 years in the NBA. Or if you're a five-star talent, Jalen Suggs, five-star talent, Chet Holmgren, five-star talent. Again, I know Chet has not participated in this event yet, but there is a pretty good chance that he will be somebody who participates in this event in the future. So if you're a five-star and you want to know where to go to school to, to potentially be an NBA player, go to Gonzaga. If you're thinking about transferring and you don't know where to go, and you want to be an NBA player, go to Gonzaga. If you're an international player, you want to come to the United States, you want to play basketball somewhere that's going to help you have a good chance of being an NBA player, go to Gonzaga. This is the place to be. Gonzaga also churns out non-five-star domestic talent into NBA talent as well. Look at Corey Kispert. Corey Kispert, not a top 100 prospect. He was the 15th player selected in the NBA draft. This happens consistently at this program to see guys come into the program, develop, become significantly better basketball players than their rankings may have indicated when they were in high school. It is a common, common story. Proof that what Mark Few, what the development staff, what they are doing in Spokane, Washington, unquestionably is working. All right, well, the Zags Gales highlights a very fun weekend of WCC hoops, but there is more of some of the best games in the conference to keep an eye on this week. We're going to talk about that after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think that they're good for you. They are perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They have only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs at Walmart or Sam's Club today. All right, segment three. Still any patents? Still locked on Zags, and we're switching back gears to talk about the WCC, of course, 
Gonzaga and St. Mary's is the big headliner this weekend, Saturday night. It's going to be an absolute blast, 7 p.m. on ESPN. It is going to be a really, really fun one. The Zags, of course, uh, shouldn't overlook St. Mary's or shouldn't overlook Santa Clara to get to St. Mary's. Santa Clara nearly defeated the Zags the last time these two teams played. That game is on Thursday at 8 p.m. That's going to be a tough one for the Bulldogs as well. But I want to focus on a couple other non-Gonzaga games that are taking place. Both of these games are on Thursday. So as you're listening to this, either Wednesday or Thursday, and you're thinking about, what do I want to watch? Uh, do I want to split screen it with the Gonzaga game? Do I want to watch something before the Gonzaga game? I've got a couple of really, really fun WCC games for you to check out. The first one, this game will be happening in conjunction with Gonzaga's matchup against Santa Clara. So again, if you want to split screen this bad boy or you want to watch it on your laptop while you got the, the Zags game up at the same time, uh, San Francisco is taking on St. Mary's in Moraga, California. This is going to be a really fun one. Again, it's a great opportunity to see the Gales for anybody who is excited for Saturday's game but maybe hasn't watched St. Mary's yet this year. Really good opportunity, 8 p.m., February 2nd. It's on ESPNU. So, again, the Zags will be on ESPN. Gales will be on ESPNU. Uh, and this is, a, this is a great matchup. San Francisco hasn't been the team we hoped they would be. Quite honestly, there's not really any other way to say it. They haven't lived up to those expectations in the first year of the Chris Gerlison era. Right now, they are 97th in the country in Ken Palm. This is compared to St. Mary's, who is 7th. So it's a bit of an advantage for St. Mary's. They're also the home team, although... San Francisco is not very far away, so perhaps they will have some fans travel to that one. But the Dons are a disappointing four and five in WCC play. This is a team that's expected to be third, maybe fourth uh, in the WCC this season. They are not even up to 500 in conference play. They do currently have a three-game win streak, though, so they have kind of turned things around uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they beat Pacific, they beat BYU, they beat San Diego. But they have a loss to Portland. That one really hurt. They give up 92 point, points to the Pilots. They have a loss to St. Mary's already, so they're looking to even these series, the season series against the Gales in this one. Uh, they obviously have a loss to Gonzaga. They have a loss to San Diego. That one really hurts, uh, as the Toreros have not been a particularly good team this year. They also have a loss to Santa Clara. I think the big question in this game is really just, can they, can they make the Gales work? Can they keep it close? St. Mary's has blown out a lot of teams in the WCC this year, and that's what makes them such a dynamic team from the analytics perspective. That's why the uh, Torvik rankings love them. That's why Ken Palm loves them, because they really take into account not just how you beat a team, not just your win-loss record, but what you are actually doing in those games. St. Mary's is beating teams badly, and that has helped them elevate where they are ranked in Ken Palm, in Torvik, and some of those other advanced analytical models. So can San Francisco, it's going to be hard for them to win. I'm not saying they can't win. They absolutely can win. But I'm curious to see if they can even keep it close. Can they make this so that it's not a 15, 18, 20, 26 or so point victory uh, for the Gales? Uh, the biggest story for them, if they're going to do that, Khalil Shabazz needs to have a monster game. I mean, he needs to be an absolute monster on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. If he can play the, one of the best games of his career and really slow down Aiden Mahaney, the star freshman for the Gales, uh, really light it up from beyond the arc, perhaps the Dons can stay in this one. Good news, bad news situation for those of you who are uh, uh, obviously planning to tune into Gonzaga's game on Thursday night against Santa Clara. The good news is that we know what is going to be going on before the Gonzaga game, as uh, so often happens because Gonzaga plays so late in the day. They are usually delayed by 
not just 30 seconds, not just two minutes, sometimes five, six, eight, 10, 15 minutes of delay before the game actually starts on the channel is designated to start on. Uh, for this game, they are supposed to be playing on the CBS Sports Network at 8 p.m. The game that starts at 6 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network is the game that I highly suggest watching for those of you who have the ability to do so. LMU at BYU at the Marriott Center. Uh, it is the prequel to Gonzaga's game. We're hoping for a short game, but also another fun game here. And this is a really, really even matchup. Ken Palm has LMU as the 85th best team in the country. They have BYU, the home team in this situation, as the 80th best team in the country. But what really fascinates me is that LMU, from an offensive and defensive perspective, is a pretty balanced squad. BYU is not. LMU adjusted offense per Ken Palm 97th, adjusted defense per Ken Palm 91st. So we're looking at a team that is basically right inside the top 100 in the entire country for both offense and defense. BYU adjusted offense 183rd. BYU is barely a top 200 team in the country in offense. That is staggering. That is a shocking number for Mark Pope's team. We knew looking at this roster, hey, the guard play is pretty inconsistent. You know, is Spencer Johnson going to step up? Is Rudy Williams, the Coastal Carolina transfer, who's he going to, you know, what, what kind of player is he going to be? But man, it has been a really rough year for them uh, in terms of putting the basketball through the hoop. However, they're 28th in the country defensively. 28th. This is a top 30 team in the entire country on the defensive end of the floor, but barely top 200 team in the country offensively. So what's going to win out? LMU's ostensibly kind of a control group here in a sense where they're basically the same on offense and defense. So if this is a high scoring game, then we know, okay, well, obviously BYU found a way to exploit some mismatches in uh, LMU's defense. That's great for them. If it's a super low scoring game, then it's like, okay, well, obviously we're not surprised that BYU's offense struggled, but did L why, you know, LMU wasn't able to score on BYU's defense, so kind of created a, a unique situation. So I'm curious to see how that's going to shake out, uh, whether LMU is going to be able to kind of penetrate for BYU's defense, whether BYU is going to be able to score the basketball at all. Uh, right now, LMU is the hotter team. They are riding a four-game win streak. Uh, those wins are over San Diego, Portland, Pepperdine, and as all of us are trying to forget, Gonzaga as well. They are 6-3 and three in conference play and in third place. Third place behind St. Mary's and Gonzaga is a really, really nice year for Stan Johnson's club. Uh, BYU is, meanwhile, on a three-game losing streak. They lost at Santa Clara. They lost to San Francisco. They lost to St. Mary's. Three very good teams, but kind of proof of, of where BYU is in the WCC right now. They're four and five uh, in the final year of WCC conference play, uh, and they haven't looked like a team that deserves to be in the top five in the conference. They look like a team that is worse than Santa Clara, that's worse than San Francisco, that's worse than St. Mary's, and that's why they lost to those teams. Are they worse than LMU? Tune in two hours before Gonzaga tips off against Santa Clara on Saturday or on Thursday, and we'll find out. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It is available wherever you get podcasts. It is also available on YouTube. You can go there, hit that big red subscribe button. And if you haven't done so for Zags yet, go to Locked On Zags, hit that subscribe button as well. You can leave a review for the show on iTunes. All of it is very, very much appreciated. Thank you all for listening. And of course, as always, go Zags.